good morning. That was not good enough. Good morning. That's a, that sounds really good. Hi, guys. If you guys don't know who I don't know who I am, I am Pastor Bove. I'm the children's pastor here at New Mercy, and I just want to welcome all of you here today. Um, if you have young children, and during these times, if you feel like they're getting a little bit, you know, mm, there's a nursery in the cafeteria, and we are streaming it live, so you can, you know, feel free to take your children, escort, you know, over that way, no pressure. And no feelings hurt, okay? If you do that, no feelings hurt. But yeah, today is such a special Sunday, and I'm so glad. You know, like, I miss out on the praise. And, like, I already cried like five times just during praise. <laughs> and so if I sound a little or look a little, please excuse me. Um, but I just want to pray. Can we pray before we get into the word? Let's pray, pray our hands together and pray. <laughs> Father God, we just thank you so much for this Sunday. We thank you so much for your amazing grace and how you've been so faithful, not just in our lives, but in the lives of our children as we celebrate them um, in this Moving Up Sunday. Father, I pray that as um, your word is spoken here, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, open up our eyes, open up our ears to feel you, hear you, and to see you um, yeah, in this time. So we thank you, we love you, and we lift up all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I got a question for my young friends right over here. How many of you guys can't wait to become an adult? Raise your hand. Aha, uh -huh, Penny Koo, that's right. I felt the same way when I was little, okay? Now let me ask the parents, how many of you can't wait for your children to become adults and get out your house? I know you guys aren't responding, but you know, I know how you feel inside. <laughs> I do. And for our single people, how many of us, including myself, are we waiting for a spouse or to be married? No pressure to the boyfriends. No pressure to the boyfriends. But in different moments in our lives, we look forward to the next thing, right? We can't wait to go to elementary school. We can't wait to go to high school, college, to get that job, maybe that promotion to be married, have kids, right? And then have your kids who are depleting your savings account to leave your home. And the list goes on and on and on. And we all go through different seasons, right? Some of us were in the season of growth and learning. Some of us were in a season of celebration like today. Or some of us were in a season of grief, season of waiting. But the one season I hear the most from my friends and just people is that they're in a season of transition. And what transition means, it's when you go from like one place to another, or when something is changing in your life and you're going through that process. And so for example, come September, all our friends, you're gonna, you guys are gonna be out of summer vacation and you'll go into a new classroom with a new teacher and maybe a new set of friends, right? And Transitions like this, some of them, it happens very naturally. And then others, they're very unexpected. And we have those seasons where God calls us into a season of transition to the next destination that God has for us. And a lot of times, those seasons are full of questions 
an uncertainty because God doesn't reveal everything all at the same time when he calls you in to the next season, right? And so, so what do we do in the time of transition? What do we do when we don't know what to do? There's a man in the Bible. His name is Abraham or Abram, right? He's going to teach us what to do in a time of transition. And so we're looking at Genesis chapter 12 today. That's where we meet Abram. So Abram is the same person as Abraham because God gave him a new name. So remember that, okay? So we're just going to call him Abram for the duration of this message. So one day, God talks to Abram and tells him, Abram, I want you to leave your country, leave everybody you know, and leave your home to the place I'm going to show you. Now think with me. Isn't that a lot to leave behind? I mean, I'll move to another state and maybe leave my friends, but to leave my home, my mom and dad, that's like super tough. But God had a plan for Abram, and so God makes a promise with him. And it goes like this. I'm going to make your name great so everyone knows who you are. I'm going to bless you, and everyone on earth is going to be blessed because of you. That's an amazing promise, right? And so Abram put on his faith in God and started going to Canaan, the land God promised him. He wasn't alone in this journey. Abraham left for Canaan with his wife, Sarai. Later, she's going to be Sarah. And his nephew, Lot. And he took everything that he owned that was in his possession. And so they traveled for a long while. And I'm sure if he was traveling for a long time, he probably was thinking a lot about this promise God gave him, right? How is God going to bless me? And how is God going to bless the people on all the earth through me? I don't even have a son or any kids. And I'm sure that the people traveling with him, they were thinking, are we there yet? I'm sure our friends ask that question a lot if you're taking a long trip, right? And so what you'll find in the Bible, though, and even in your personal walk with God, when God makes a promise with you, he gives you little nuggets of hope to help you continue to move forward into, in your way, right? And so when they arrived in Shechem, God appeared to Abram and said, I'm going to give you this land to your offspring. Offspring means like the family that are born after you, right? And so that's another promise. And so Abram built an altar to praise God because he was thankful. This is my altar. I couldn't find an image, so here it is. Just keep this in mind, okay? So Abram built an altar. And an altar is a place of worship. And so Abram built these things so that he can worship God, right? And he worshiped God not only because of the promises that he received, but God has shown up to him. And he had reassured him that Abram's obedience to God was not for nothing. And then Abram moves on to Bethel. And verse 8, it says, There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Abram built a second altar, place of worship, but this time he built it to call upon the Lord, to pray. He wanted to worship in prayer. And so there are two more times where Abram builds an altar to the Lord. The third time was after he and his nephew Lot separated. And then the last one was when Abram, at this point now his Abraham, 
Abraham took um, his son Isaac, who was a physical representation of God's promises fulfilled in Abraham's life, to Mount Moriah to offer him up as a sacrifice. This one was probably the most difficult one he ever had to build because Abraham was called by God to give up the most precious thing in his life. And I wonder if God's calling us to give up something so precious in our lives in this moment. Yeah, so I'm sure he definitely didn't want to be building this altar, but Abraham, he did it in full obedience, completely beyond our knowledge or our understanding. And he did it almost as like a worship to God. Because he tells his servant in verse 5, he says, Stay here with the donkey. Isaac and I are going to worship and come back. And so when Isaac and Abraham, they go up to Mount Moriah and Abraham is building, and unlike the other times they've worshipped, there's no sacrifice. There's no animal to be sacrificed. And so Isaac asks, where is the lamb that's supposed to be sacrificed, Dad? And Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. See, Abraham knew something about God. This spoke straight into God's character, which is that our God is a God who provides. And just the way God had provided time and time again for Abraham, Abraham put his faith forward, believing that God was going to provide this time again. And God did. God, the angel of the Lord, told Abraham not to sacrifice Isaac. He said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Don't sacrifice Isaac. I have a ram for you. I don't have a picture of ram. But I have a ram for you. It's like a sheep, right? And so, same thing, right? And so Isaac's life was spared, and God and Abraham was able to offer the ram as worship to the Lord. And, you know, at that moment, it definitely tested Abraham's heart for God. And, you know, it really shows that Abraham, he wasn't only worshiping God because he was getting the good things and that God was blessing him. But he worshiped God because our God is praiseworthy in every season and in every trial, just like the one he faced at, on Mount Moriah. I think we often give thanks and praise to God after we've received our promises, after we've, we've received the good things. But Abraham, as he was waiting for the promises to be fulfilled, as he was in transition to the next destination, he always worship. He built altars, 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 altars as worship onto the Lord. And, you know, before he even reached the promised land, you know, to see that his offsprings were going to be as many of the, as the sand in the sea, he worshiped God. And the reason why Abraham could do that was because he knew who God was. He knew that God was a faithful God who was faithful to his word, that God calls upon, called upon his life not without purpose, and that God was going to provide in every step of his journey because he's a God who provides. And even if he doesn't see those, thing in, those things in front of him right now, at that moment, Abraham, he put his faith forward. 
and worship despite what was going on because our God is a promise giver and he's a promise fulfiller. He promises us that in whatever circumstance that we might be going through, that he's never going to leave us, that he's never going to forsake us, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And no matter what the circumstances are, he is so much bigger than what you're facing right now. And, you know, I miss out on worship a lot, just like on Sundays, but I get my own worship somewhere else, right? But something I noticed as I was missing out on worship, I thought, why do I worship? Why do we worship? What's the purpose of this? I mean, I could worship just the same in my home or on my own or, you know, like, why do we do all these things, right? Like, why do we worship? And I really had to sit down and think about it. And we worship because God is good even when we're not. We worship because the pain we carry was washed away at the foot of the cross. We worship because what God has in store for us is far greater than what we're facing right now. And we worship because our God is a praiseworthy God. Um, And do you know why we worship all together like this, with the babies crying and with the little children walking around? (laughs) Um, The praise team, actually, if you guys could come up. It's a short sermon today. Um, (laughs) but the reason why we worship together there's something when we when like there's something that happens when we worship together you know when we have joint worship with the kids it's a little bit awkward because we're not used to having such little tiny humans walking around and praising with us But our children, after we do joint worship, you know what they ask me? Can we do it again? When are we going with the adults again? They might look the least bit engaged at this moment, but they love, love being here. And when I was a little kid, I learned how to worship by watching my mom worship in in Sunday service, and I learned how to pray watching all the other adults in our congregation worship and pray. And I believe that for, our, for us now, now more than ever, now we don't have a language barrier. You know, my parents only spoke Korean, and well, most of us, right? Our, our parents only spoke a certain language, and we only spoke English, and we couldn't bridge that gap. But now we don't have that issue. And there's something that we can learn when we worship, not just with our children, but with one another. We learn something just as the kids do. There's something that the kids pick up when we worship all together. Yeah. And when we worship all together, it grows our faith. Because sometimes we don't have enough faith and we don't have enough hope to raise our hands and to worship God as much as we want to. Because sometimes times are tough. And sometimes we need someone to pull us up, to give us hope to have some more hope for us because we can't have enough for ourselves. And that's kind of a prayer for me, uh, for our church on my end, that our church would become a church that can worship together and that could have hope for one another when one of us is down. And that we could be a place where people can just come and just find the goodness of God in this place, in worship, in the message, but just when we're with one another. And so 
I, ho I hope that we know that when we worship, we're actually like lifting somebody up somewhere because everybody needs a little hope. And not for nothing, heaven's not going to look like just Korean Americans in one room. Heaven's going to look like black people, Caucasian people, Asian people, Southeast Asian people, little children, big children, grandma, grandpas, mom and dads. We're all going to be praising Jesus. And I want to see heaven here. I want to see heaven here on earth. And that's why we do these joint worship moments here. And I know it's a little bit awkward, but I hope that we can really get a sense of what worship looks like in the kingdom. Because I think this is pretty close to it. It's pretty sweet, no? Yeah. So could you all stand with me? I believe that there's a promise that God makes with every single one of us. It might be a grand dream. It might be a small thing. But there's a promise. Maybe some of us, we've already seen those promises fulfilled. And we're able to worship God in thanksgiving. But you know, sometimes there's too much pain. There's too much we're carrying. And our current circumstances, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't allow us to worship. But you know what? The enemy hates it when we worship because the enemy hates it when we lift up the name of Jesus. But that's our fighting power. That's how we fight through those difficult circumstances. When we worship the Lord, it's not because, oh God, I'm like, I feel bad. No, it's because he is worthy. It's because when we worship, God will take care of everything, even if we don't feel like it. Our God is a promise giver, and he's a promise fulfiller. And when we respond in obedience, just like Abraham did, he's not going to leave us dry. And it might look dry now, but it won't be like that forever. Because our God is faithful. He's faithful to the end. And so even if you might not see your promises fulfilled in your life now, let's put our faith forward, knowing that God's going to fulfill those promises. And when we worship, we worship because he is good, even though we're not that good sometimes. So I just want you to put your hands out like this, like this or like this, whatever is more comfortable. But I just want to... I just want to give hell a run for its money today, that we would worship so hard, so hard, and push through our circumstances because he is that good. So can we praise? Can we praise like we're going to break hell's ground? Let's praise.